Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Treehouse, episode 56, Home and Colonial, with Danny Baker and me, Louise Pepper. Mm-hmm. Sounded like you're broadcasting that to the whole street, perhaps. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry to uh, bring a little backstage uh, light in <laughs> because uh, we've done started the show about four times, and I, I, I sensed that uh, Louise Napoleon Pepper, the great granddaughter of Ho Chi Minh, uh, uh, she seemed to be reticent in a way that it never is. She's always effervescent and, and, and booming. And, and tell me what you said, perhaps why you was actually sort of being a little underplayed. I realised that I'd opened the window and I was pretty sure that I was literally announcing the show to the whole street. <laughs> and I got self-conscious. And she thought people were gathering outside to get the show for nothing, which they do uh, for now. <laughs> but anyway, very good uh, very good morning to everybody. Here we go again with another two hours of fun for old and young without the slightest hint uh, of vulgarity. In fact, I'm glad you did that, Pepsi, because it, it lifted me from... Um, I'll be honest with you, I, I, was, uh, I was lost in a reverie and... Oh. and a, Gloomy one. A gloomy uh, reverie. Yeah, I don't. Um, I you're in a like... blue funk. It was. That's it. That's it. Once again, you have crystallised my thought. Uh, I, I, I am. Uh, uh, I don't like the fixed points in my life to be shattered. It, uh, certainly, not as I enter the. Um, well, let's say the autumn of my years. Oh. <laughs> I, I now I'm like, in a blue funk. <laughs> I don't like the thing, the cornerstones of reason, to be suddenly dragged away. You know. Uh, What's happened? No, I did. Well, I, 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 as usual, you know, I, I, the eye that never sleeps. I was trawling um, around trying to find, uh, well, the, the, I'd hope, the rather unique information we bring everyone at the mm-hmm. beginning of the show. And it's so difficult now when you've got a revis like QI, who uh, basically stole stole the act. You know, they've, they've been, God love them. They're having a good go at it. They've made a racket out of it. But uh, uh, that, that sort of social now probably QI's done that. So I look around and I found it, and I looked at someone called um, Anne Lindbergh, who was the wife of Lindbergh, the famous aviator. Oh, yes. Not a lot there. She was a writer, aviator herself, and a poet. And uh, there were some of her poems there. Uh, and, and, and when I say poems, they don't rhyme, which I always raise an eyebrow at, me and Overall. It's not a real poem, is it? It isn't. Otherwise, what we're doing now, you could chop up into fragments, stick it on a page, and look at that to comment on broadcasting. Uh, so, it, uh, but one of her poems was there and it said, perhaps I am a bear or some hibernating animal for the instinct to sleep all winter is strong in me. Which, that, that's part of the poem. I can, I can feel that, yeah. Yeah, that's why I read it. Anyway, so I thought, oh, yeah, uh, uh, bears hibernating. Let's have a look. Bears don't 
hibernate. Oh, come off it. And that is the plank that's been pulled from under me where I could barely drag myself to the microphone. Bears don't hibernate. You know, uh, it, 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 I know. It, it's, it's, it, what was that Tex Avery cartoon for nothing when you can't wake the bear all winter? It's, it's, it, they don't hibernate. But they um they basically spend a lot of time in bed. John like, Lewis do a whole advert based around that. I know, I know. I mean, it's, it says it's one of the central planks of our life. Um, I'll tell you who do hibernate because I went down into that door mice, hedgehogs, bats, squirrels, snails, and teenagers. No, I just put that in at the end. Uh, but snails, snails hibernate. Oh, oh. Which one of those I'm most surprised about? Squirrels. We see squirrels. And you do not, not in the a very short hibernation. On, only one bird hibernates, by the way, and it's called. And I promise you, I'm not just trying to be a, 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 like a rapper here. It's called the goat sucker. The, the the goat sucker is a real bird, and it's the only bird that hibernates. It's called the goat sucker, and I'll even look that up. It's because a couple of hundred years ago they believed at night they would go around and steal the milk from goats' teeth. Oh. But they don't. They don't. They eat insects. But the goat sucker. Anyway, but the point is, uh, we can't look down. Tortoises do up. as well, don't they? The what? Tortoises. Well, now they always did that on Blue Peter. Some did and some don't. Ours did. Ours, uh, Tom the tortoise, you stick him amongst the straw, the straw and he was good. Boom, that was it. Uh, and you should keep checking him. I wonder if Tom's still up. Uh, but anyway, uh, uh, the bears don't hibernate and that really kind of uh, oh. discombobulated me. On the upside, because we tried to look up, not down, uh, uh, it is the anniversary of. Uh, 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 1972 in Coloma, Chile. It's a big day over there, Coloma, Chile. In 1972, it rained in Coloma, in Chile. And that was the first rained time what? it rained for oh. 400 oh. years. No. <laughs> <laughs> now we're getting somewhere. I thought you could say it rained frogs or one of those. It rained for the first time in 400 years. <laughs> well, I said this to Winch, went, oh. We go there on holiday now, but I oh, know no, you know what happened. But yeah, Coloma. No one owned a brolly. It is. <laughs> they, they literally must have said, "What's this?" It's a very big city, but it's the driest place on earth. And in '72, when it rained one day, and imagine the consternation. Uh, it was the first time it had happened in 400 years, everyone. Uh, so that. that, that it, oh, it, there's a there's a great '50s film in that of of. Um... An umbrella salesman going to Coloma, oh, Chile. I know, I know. I mean, the one umbrella Is it shop. In town. No, it's uh, oh. The one umbrella shop in town, and he's hibernating like a bear, and his wife runs up the stairs. Jack, Jack, get up, Jack! <laughs> <laughs> Open the store, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, hats off to Coloma in Brazil. The only other thing, and I promise you, the show starts in a second. Uh, by the way, that's one of the merchandise T-shirts we will be selling, as well as uh, we're going to appropriate what you got over there, Peps. All of this, I promise you, we're days away from. And I hope, I do hope you can join us over there at the uh, uh, at the Patreon site. We'll give you the details there, probably Friday. Uh, but I looked it up in 1905. Now, here's, here's an old product. Um, I called the show Home and Colonial, which was a... It, it, that, that was a popular store for a long time. Uh, but uh, uh, in 1905, uh, Brasso made its first appearance. And you know, Brasso oh. is, uh, perhaps you get... Yeah, you, for cleaning your brass. It is, which again is, is probably up there with the old um, Chilean umbrella shop for people <laughs> who go around cleaning their brass these days and trying to think <laughs> of the amount of brass in the house. But I'd like to, I like Brasso because it's impregnated wadding. It's not, mm. a, not an ointment. 
It's an impregnated, and it's never changed its tins. That blue and white striped sunset. Yeah, psychedelic it's, kind of. Yes, it is. Yes, yeah. yes it is. That Edwardian psychedelia. Uh, and when I was looking this up, by the way, uh, it's, it says there's an adapted brasso which will repair CDs, DVDs, uh, and uh, computer screens and swimming pools, as well as Lego miniatures. <laughs> what? If I thought you'd have been all over that. I don't, I don't know, Eric. I mean, but it's there. It's called Gadget Care Brasso. That's out there. Went to the website, couldn't find it, couldn't find anything about Brasso. Uh, so there's that. Uh, the Brasso, I looked up, uh, so went to their website. But there was a, I promise you, the show's going to start any second. You've been good enough to get in touch. Uh, but um, I went to their website, and there was a big conversation there about what used to be called Red Cardinal. Do you know what Red Cardinal is? People, in, in an era when people had standards, uh, listening radio too, and in an era when uh, people had standards, uh, they would Red Cardinal their doorstep. It was a red paint oh, doorstep yes, and yes. polished it. Red Cardinal, uh, tins of Red Cardinal uh, uh, around. It kind of survives. But then, and this is the last thing, and the show begins. Uh, then... Uh, it, it said, uh, been following a really good thread over at, uh, I think it was called the Tyler's Forum. Tyler's Forum? <laughs> There's something for everyone on the internet. <laughs> this is what I do before the show starts uh, about Red Cardinal and other Red. Um, anyway, so I went there and there was, sure enough, there was a, a quite a, a good conversation going on between loads of people over there. Uh, Liz's dad was having a good talk with, with Martin in Leeds about various ways of... <laughs> of getting this red tile paint and the various products. Uh, so, of course, I went over to Amazon to see what the reviews were. Ah, oh, the old Lovely. Red. I thought it had been a while. The various red tile paints, and I'll bring these to you if you've never heard the show before. Uh, There's <laughs> nothing we can do for you, is there? But occasionally I do like to look at... Um, uh, well, overlooked uh, items that get reviewed on uh, Amazon. We've done anvils, mm -hmm. we've done uh, ice, gavels, ice cube trays. But this is this is uh, probably one of the more sensible ones we have. And this is reviews for various varnishes you can get for your red doorstep or indeed tiles. And these are the one-star reviews, and people are very very harsh on it. Uh, first one just said, uh, "I'm giving it." just one star because it was quite expensive for the size of the pot that's a that seems quite a legitimate aim what were you looking like that for perhaps i think that's legitimate well, i expect a review to be on the quality of the product not to, not on the price charged thereof i find most things that come was it great paint in a tight i'm picture i'm now picturing it in like the tiny you know the tiny pots that you got to paint spitfires oh, with. yeah yeah <laughs> yes you did yes umbro made those yes they did umbro. Uh, and and uh, but we don't know that uh, we probably it was the amazon packaging which we know because i might be rich and think oh i don't mind paying 10 quid for well two uh, ounces the next one the next uh, one star review i saw was uh, a peculiar one it said I ordered the wrong product. I needed a stainer, not the polish. My fault. My fault. <laughs> no one's forcing you to review it. No. My fault, everyone. My fault. <laughs> uh, a one-word review under that. Leaked. I don't know what that means. Leaked. There it is. Uh, and, and again, there's somebody else blaming themselves. This was a disaster. However, I'm sure for its intended purpose, it would be great. <laughs> what, what did you use it for? What would you use it? Just a couple more. Uh, didn't polish. This just smeared. Revolting. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, this one. As opposed to another product, this does not do exactly what it says on the tin. Ah, uh, uh, everyone. <laughs> Clever. And the very last one. I was suspicious, but continued to use it across the first half of my porch, hoping it would dry. 
it didn't. I've had to remove this product by wiping, scrubbing, and washing. Now, the, every single oh, item on, a, on on Amazon gets 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 walloped by one star reviews. And now, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the treehouse. What are we doing this morning, Peps? Number one, people you've pretended to have seen. Number two, when laughing gets you in trouble. Three, can things just disappear or appear? And four, really lucky guesses. Uh, that, that thing about, uh, we haven't had anything yet on things that just appear or disappear. That does happen. Mm. That just, that, that does happen. When well, it's the, it's, well, it's the classic trope between husband and wife. It's in the kitchen. I have examined this whole kitchen. There is yeah, no is jar of brasso in your walk. It's right there. I know. But, there, there um, but, but, then, no, but I have had that before of that whole kind of, I have looked everywhere for something and then you go back in and, Bang. Poltergeist uh, has uh, placed it back. Years ago when I did it on the radio, I remember somebody who didn't seem, didn't seem to be a lunatic. Uh, you could never tell, but it didn't seem to be. In fact, they said, you know, I'm not a lunatic, but that's always a, a great intro. Uh, and uh, they went out to their kitchen and it was the, one of the carving knives had been taken out of the drawer and dug straight into their uh, into a chopping board. And she went back in to a, a partner and said, would you do that? Did you do that? He said, what? And they both went out and looked aghast at it. And there it was. Oh, it was. It a was. It, I know. I know. And that is. I know. Straight out of inside number nine. But we we had a few of those things that just turned up. I dare say somebody could get in touch and say I walked out of my front door and there was one of those um, portable bus stops outside because uh, me and my friends once did that. We we rolled the concrete base into the lift of the block of flats, took it up to the eighth floor and placed it outside someone's door. Uh, so uh, give, give us something you got there, Peps. What you got? Well, it's actually it's a, it's a quick tweet from Skippy about um, pretending you've seen someone. Said for almost 20 years, I told people I'd seen the Pixies at Reading Festival. Though in my defence, I wasn't pretending. I was completely convinced I had. On checking the lineup a couple of years ago, they weren't even on the bill. Oh. It was obviously a very heavy weekend. Wow. Well, m- maybe those things that just disappeared. It's all, all <laughs> traces of it have just gone. The Brigadoon uh, of the Pixies appearing at Reading give us, give us another one. That was a brief one, but give us, give us something more you can stretch it. This out. is Never Letting Him Live It Down. This is Daryl from Reading. At the tail end of episode 22, <laughs> we're on 54. Peps mentioned her drunk brother with a pint of milk saying Mum Cadbury Hadbury and how he'd never let him live it down. This is true. This reminded me about my dad. I don't remember this. What were you My brother came in drunk one night and my dad found him sat at the kitchen table clutching a pint of milk. And when Mm -hmm. my dad sort of went, come on, son, up to bed, he went, Hadbury is Cadbury and Cadbury is Hadbury, Dad. (laughs) My dad went, what? He went, Cadbury is Hadbury and Hadbury is Cadbury. (laughs) And we still, years on, say to my brother, Cadbury, Hadbury. So this is Daryl. It was quite late and me, my brother, sister and mum were downstairs nodding off watching the family TV while dad had his own small TV upstairs to watch westerns and war films and such like. So we were all nearly asleep when dad rushed down in hysterics. Aliens have invaded. It's on the news. Turn the telly over. I was sceptical, but at the same time, dad wasn't drunk and you could see the panic in his eyes. I said, are you sure? When they interrupt all channels, we flipped to a news channel, nothing, on to the next, all the way through them. We looked out the window. No flying saucers or strange lights. What channel, I asked. I don't know, said Dad. We rushed upstairs and there he had the telly on watching a movie premiere and it was Independence Day. Dad must have changed channel or nodded off and woken up just as they played a a fake film news clip of the aliens invading. He then tried to play it down and said, oh, it was just a wind up. 
but the look of terror in his eyes and relief and embarrassment afterwards betrayed him. We never let him live this down. Wow, if this the is... news came on, one, one of us would ask if any aliens had been spotted. <laughs> and if Independence Day came on telly, we reminded him too. We even got him the film for Christmas. That's that's an excellent. You see, that's the, the, the awesome world's on the Mercury Theatre. Ah, based yes. his career on, on, on just such a misunderstanding. Who was it who told us once um, that he went asleep halfway through one Tom Hanks film? <laughs> I can't remember who it was. Uh, he was watching Philadelphia and he dropped asleep, <laughs> fell asleep. And after that, a uh, castaway had been yes. Tom Hanks' double bill. And he came round and looked at the telly and thought, well, hang on, he was dying a few minutes ago. How comes he's, how comes he's on a desert island? <laughs> he could not figure out. They tried to marry together the plot. I can't remember if that was who told us that. At any rate, uh, Martin's in touch, and this is about pretending to be rich. Me and a friend used to go every Thursday night up to our local nightclub, the Ocean Rooms. Being 20 years old and averse to anything that could be considered work, we usually only had enough money to get into the establishment and buy one drink. One it would have to last for the rest of the evening. We used to buy half a pint of Coke and then drink this to around halfway so we could pretend we had a whiskey and Coke or something similarly exotic. As, girls went, as girls went by, we would say, oh, they put too much Coke in this one and just took very small sips. I remind you, this had to last three hours. Anyway, one day as I passed the cash point, I noticed a slip of paper sticking out of it. Curiosity got the better of me and I looked, took a look at it. It was a balance slip and whoever it belonged to had a balance of £24,000 and change in their account. For the next couple of weeks, when standing at the bar at the Ocean Rooms Club, I would wait for girls to come up to the bar and then get my wallet out and pretend to drop my balance slip in their general direction. <laughs> I would then say something along the lines of, sorry, I just dropped my uh, bank slip there, could you hand it to me? And then pretended to study at arm's length so any future girlfriends could see it. I would add, I forgot to check this earlier, but I make sure I can, I can afford this round. Yeah, 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 it seems all right. <laughs> Needless to say, it didn't work once. <laughs> Let's face it, why should it? Thankfully, the girl I did eventually settle down with and have children didn't care about how much money I had because fortunately her parents are loaded. <laughs> All the best, Martin. <laughs> Brilliant, man. Well played. Oh, oh imagine, how, imagine how beaten up that is at the end, that little slip. Oh, seems I've got 24 grand in the account. Why? Well, just I better check to see if I can afford this drink. Bravo, Martin. Anyone you've got those, please. The uh, story there is uh, uh, pretending to be rich. Uh, something from you, perhaps. Uh, this is from David. Things accidentally stolen. So I have to confess, it's not strictly about something I stole, but something my girlfriend took and drove away. I was reminded of it when I heard the tale of the two heroes who tried to walk from Calais to Le Touquet before one of them realised he could nick a French mini with his English mini's keys. <laughs> Back in the early mid-90s, I was living with an Italian lady and my sister was married to an Italian man. Brackets still is. Thanks for the clarification, David. My brother-in-law owned an Alfa Romeo estate. One evening, on flying back to Italy for the week, left his car near the tube. It was agreed that my girlfriend would pick it up and take it home so it wasn't left for days on end. My girlfriend had the sp spare car keys and knew it was a dark-coloured Alfa Romeo estate in a side street near Cockfoster's Tube. I think we all know where this is going. Mm -hmm. She didn't know the car registration, but as far as I was concerned, everything went as planned. Until my rather distressed girlfriend called me thinking she was going to be arrested. She'd gone to the station and started to look for the car. 
found what she thought was the correct car. And the clincher was the car, the key opened the car door, no problem. It started the car, no problem. However, it then set off the alarm. It did concern her a little bit, but she assumed that maybe by opening the door or something, she'd just set it off and that it would soon turn itself off. She drove the whole way home with the alarm constantly oh. sounding. Wow. She hoped that maybe once she parked up and turned off the engine, it would. She then became seriously concerned when it continued to go and had to ring my brother-in-law in Italy and ask him how to turn it off. What alarm? He said. My car hasn't got an alarm. Then my girlfriend asked him the number plate and it became apparent that she had stolen somebody's car. <laughs> she immediately drove it back to where she found it while I called the police who were quite bemused. She drove it back to the alarm going. <laughs> <laughs> Contact the owner who didn't even notice their car had gone missing from outside their house or that the alarm had gone. She then found the right car, but for a few days we remained convinced she was going to be arrested for theft. I thought it hilarious. Man, I did, of course, I don't know if I've told you before, there's only one thing you can do to, uh, if you can't get a t car alarm to turn off, you know what that is, perhaps, uh, no. open your front door. That's what you do, <laughs> because I, have, I sit at the computer and I, you hear it going, ying, ying. I say, that's not, that's not mine, that's not mine. It's going on a bit. I can't remember what mine sounds like. I get up from the computer, I go up to the front door, as soon as I open the front door, it goes off. Right, okay. All right, close the front door, go back and sit down again. Five minutes later, ming, 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 ming. Even if I'm straight out the chair to the front door, I open the front door, it's not it's not going anymore. And, and I look around at all my neighbours. You? I don't know. I don't know. It just goes off as soon as you open the front door. Uh, one more before we take a little ad break. This is from our friend Raven. Great name, Raven. Well done. Bravo. Uh, Raven's in touch. She says, uh, I was looking for a new job and added a profile to Read Employment's website stating I was looking for work in the graphic and web design industry. One day I received an email from a gentleman saying he'd viewed my profile on Read and had a job he thought I would be perfect for. On further reading the job, it was that of a school bus driver. I read on and found out the job was also in America. I emailed the guy back and said I was confused as my profile said I was looking for work in graphic design and I pointed out that also it said my location was Scotland. Travelling to America to drive a school bus might not fit my needs. He was also confused as he had not seen any of that on my profile, telling me it said I was in his area and was looking for driving work. We chatted back and forth and it turned out someone with the exact same name as me, Raven Taylor, had submitted their CV to the American Read website and typed in the last part of their email address incorrectly co.uk or .com, I suspect, therefore filling in my email as their contact. I managed to track down this other Raven Taylor and told her she was being offered a job and they couldn't reach her. She'd put down my email address. Later, I learned she did get the bus driving oh. job. All ended well. But Raven Taylor, that Raven is, Taylor? That's a pretty unusual one. Uh, and the email and all of that. Well, I'll jot that down for the feel-good movie of the year soon. Uh, we're going to take a little break. And when we return... Uh, uh, the news of the brand new venture and the sausage sandwich game and that be right back good morning everybody it's the danny baker show radiating out across the airwaves come the sunshine or the rain come aboard the danny train we'll kick our slippers off and throw our cares away what better thing to do than have a jolly jaypaw too don't touch that dial, there's nowhere else to go Come and join a happy session Wave ta-ta to the recession On the Danny Baker Show Take it away, Danny 
And welcome back, everyone. Thank you for sticking with us. Uh, <laughs> I've been trekking over the Andes or something. Uh, here's something I, I, at the top of the show. I must say, you heard I was discombobulated. You were. Uh, and it affected the performance because now, you know, bears don't hibernate. Everything you know is wrong. But uh, what I planned to start with uh, was uh, Duke Ellington. There's an anniversary of Duke Ellington releasing East Street Toodaloo, one of his uh, uh, most famous early pieces. But how about this, Peps? And if this, mm. this doesn't make you think, every, even in these stark times, which we as a treehouse try not to refer to and look up, not down, try to do a good deed in a wicked world, everyone, uh, this is exactly what we're here for. And I don't know why this sort of stuff is not all over the place because I've started reading about Duke Ellington. Uh, the real name's uh, Ed, Ed, uh, uh, Frank Edwards or something. No, it's not Frank. Oh. The kid I was at school with. <laughs> <laughs> now, in the twisted logic of this show, whenever I mention my school, you've got to say, didn't you go to school with Duke Ellington? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> yes, I did. Anyway, uh, but Duke Ellington uh, uh, was given his first piano lessons and was taught to play the piano by the piano teacher local to him, and her name was Marietta Clinkscales. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen, Marietta Clinkscales was the woman who taught Duke Ellington to play the piano. Now, Isn't this, I, I, what's the phrase? Is it determinism, where your name yeah, makes you have the job you have? Marietta Clinkscales. And, and nothing is in the biography on Wikipedia and other places. Nothing's made of this. It doesn't put an exclamation mark after it, like I would have done. I'll say, get a load of that, Marietta Clinkscales. It just carries on as if there's nothing <laughs> extraordinary at all. In Duke Ellington being taught to play the piano by Ms. Clink Scales. I, I, I don't play any musical instruments. Do you, Peps? No, never been no, able to. But if I, be, I think if I'd have lived somewhere near Marietta Clink Scales, I would have grown up to be Duke Ellington. That my name would be his real name because that once I saw that there's very little else in his life that was remarkable. But ladies and oh, pump the fact if his first job was selling peanuts at baseball games. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> life is terrific, isn't it? He's, he's, uh, he's selling peanuts at baseball games and going back to have his laces clink scales uh, exam. <laughs> Ms. Clink scales. Give us something over there, Peps. This is things you wish hadn't been chucked away or regret chucking away. Mm -hmm. Back in 1970, after collecting the SO badges for the England World Cup squad, I really got into football. But when I say I really got into it, I mean I really got into it. And the height of my love was waiting every Thursday morning for a copy of Shoot. I loved that magazine to the point that I saved every single copy from 1970 right up to 1981. 624 copies. And I kept them in a couple of boxes in my parents' loft and then when I got married, took them to my house and put them in our loft. My dream was that one day when I retire, I would spend my final days in a rocking chair reading my pristine copies of Shoot and reliving my childhood. Fast forward to 2012 and we'd managed to scrape the money together to have a loft conversion. Come the day the work was going to start, my wife and I cleared the loft for the workmen. And down came boxes of photos, old prams, suitcases, Christmas decks. Hang on, why are the two boxes I used to keep up here, I asked. Mm. Oh, those old comics. I took them to a car boot sale a couple of years back, said my wife. A car boot sale? Quite right. Why would you do that? Oh, I thought you'd grow out of comics, so I sold them, she said. Quite right. I was broken and crestfallen. I, the chances of me catching up with Alan and Bobby Ball, Alan Ball, Bobby Moore and George Best weekly exploits have gone. A fresh-faced Trevor Francis and Kevin Keegan, Keegan growing into superstars have gone. 
And she sold all 624 for three quid. Oh, man. That, that, Chris that, and Finchley. That does seem a bit of a giveaway. I mean, I, 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 I'm not a holder. He said sitting amongst 11,000 records here. You hold, I collect. Uh, uh, <laughs> I do I, hold. I did with them. Uh, I did for a while think things would be valuable when I saw them in Greenwich Market. Not just all my records here. But I used to bring back them, like Dandy and Beano annuals, mm. the annuals, you know, and, and Beza annuals. And they started piling up. What do you want all them for? So, be honest, when were bundles. They never, ever, ever matured. <laughs> You can go online and find, you know, the Beezer annual, 1970, well, 50 pence, no bids. <laughs> they all had to go. I had a Mad magazine, which I gave to Sonny after a while, you know, because he used to love reading Mad, for all, all original Mad magazine. You try and get rid of them. All my old national lampoons, <laughs> nothing. Absolute nothing. The, 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 the paper market is thin. Although I noticed some of the rock magazines, the enemies and stuff, mm. kind of creeping back. But no. Men tended to hang on to their magazines, and I'm afraid getting three quid for them is a touch. Uh, this is a this is one again. I put the subjects out on Twitter, uh, but uh, of course anything that spurs off this show and makes you want to get in touch with us, which is uh, uh, in the treehouse pod at gmail.com. Uh, the, the other week I said uh, rather like bears don't hibernate. I said it's my great sorrow to me lifelong. Perhaps that I've never sat in a doctor's waiting room and seen a kid with a sore mm, Yes. And um, you know, we said, well, it should have that. And I've never ever been in a room where there's been a stampede out of it because somebody was giving free money away in the street, and they stampede so much that they knock. They don't even open the door. They just charge it down. You know, like they do in some big cartoons. They charge the door down, and I'm the last to leave. And from under the door, you hear. <laughs> And you open, you open the door on the ground, and there's some fella who's just about to enter the room, <laughs> encased about two inches into the turf. I've never had that happen, and I think we're I back into the Beano again. We are back into the Beano, but uh, uh, John gets in touch and says, "In the late '70s, I rode everywhere on my silver motorcycle, which I gave up when I went, met my wife to be, <laughs> and his copies of Shoot." Anyway, quite right. A couple of years ago, I was cleaning. Anyway, let me talk just for a second to the women listening to this. What's the? What is the other way round of that? Is there anything that when you met your partner, they said, oh, "I'm not. That, that's over." That's it, probably a cliche, but probably sort of fifty pairs of shoes. Really, might be cliched to do that I way. Or, so. Not only that, but do I you think, need this many handbags, etc., etc.? I suppose so, and I suppose it's of a piece. We're saying, don't go around on that bike anymore. You look about twelve. Uh, but I'd like to hear the other point of view, saying, well, you know, I've me and my partner, and this is this is what I did for love. Uh, so our friend here, my mum gave up smoking because my dad didn't like it now that's that's terrific that's that's a i mean that's a, a good thing and don't yes you saved her life i couldn't bear that but, but you know the old chimney pot girls oh there was a girl on our estate called chimney pot moore uh yes she was uh, <laughs> uh her name second name was moore not she wasn't mooring because uh, oh, that's my mum's name i was about to say oh, my mum wasn't knocking around her estate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah but uh, that, that that she answered to it as well Oh, Who was in there? Oh, um, uh, oh, uh, Susan was in there. Gail, chimney pot, um, for, chimney pot. That's what they called a chimney pot. <laughs> yeah, is that in that chimney pot over there? Chimney, oh, yeah, yeah. chimney <laughs> Anyway, uh, we're going back to our friend John here. In the late seventies, I rode everywhere on my silver motorcycle, which I had to give up when when I met my wife to be. 
A couple of years ago, I was cleaning out the loft and found a case with my old motorcycle gear in it. The first thing I found was a frankly Fonzie-style leather motorcycle jacket given to me by my work colleagues on my 18th birthday. I realised there was a bit of a problem with time passing when I was uneven, uh, unable to even get my arm down the sleeve of the jacket. <laughs> anyway, then I saw it, my bright, bright blue metallic full-face crash helmet. Smiling at the old boy and the memories it induced, I put it on. It felt a little tight, but not un too discomfort. After a couple of minutes going through my old motorcycle gear, I tried to take it off. It gave a little, but it would not come over my ears. I was slightly amused by it all and climbed down from the loft and went to the kitchen in search of my wife. She gave me a look that wives give their husbands when they're being uh, silly and told me to bend over and she would pull it off. That got us nowhere. This was now getting serious. This helmet was not shifting. She wiggled it. She waggled it. She pulled hard, but she couldn't move it. She told me, you're going to have to go to the hospital. I can't go to the hospital. You're going to have to go to the hospital. It won't come off. I tugged from my end. She tugged from her end. And I had visions of walking through a crowded hospital and sitting in a waiting room to be seen. I decided what I was going to do was do the next best thing and go over to the local fire station to see if they could cut it off. <laughs> After getting my car keys and walking to the door, I said to myself, this is insane. It has to be able to be moved. So once again, she grabbed both sides of the air, up underneath of the helmet, and I pushed from the top. Both of us using every bit of last strength, north and south of my poor old painful head. And then she fell backwards, but my bunce was free. I still have my motorcycle gear. I still look at it and remember the good times. Just look at it, mind you. John, thank you very much indeed, John. How about that? Trapped inside a motorcycle. Oh, beautiful. Well, it does happen. He would, have been yeah, he would have been sitting there in the doctor's waiting room with a saucepan on his head. What you got, Peps? Uh, this is from, um, I think this is last week's topic. This is Ian in South Yorkshire. This is being dressed all wrong. Over 10 years ago, I took my late father to an ice hockey match at the Sheffield Arena. He insisted you had to wear a shirt and tie and correct trousers. No matter how many times I told him you didn't have to, he didn't believe me. Going to an ice hockey game. Ice hockey. <laughs> so the evening of the match comes and yes, there's me and my late father looking right twits with everyone else in ice hockey tops and us smartly dressed in shirt and tie. The people behind thought we were right weirdos. Plus, we left just before they scored, which absolutely ruined it. <laughs> but you'd, you'd have to hold your ground there. We're going to ice hockey. Go. It's like saying, going to Millwall this afternoon, I'm, you, you have to have a tie. <laughs> you have to have a tie to see. Uh, I am... Um... Uh, I don't uh, like fancy dress. Jonathan has Ross has. Oh, a I quite enjoy a bit of fancy dress. No, I don't. Uh, I, I, I cave in for Jonathan because I actually felt a bit half-hearted sometimes. But everyone's there, and they make such an effort, and it looks as if you're, you know, it's a, it's, it's a distant cousin of not wanting to wear a mask. So if you're going to go mm. to a big thing like that, do it. And now the last few years, uh, yeah, I, I'm over at Herman's Costumiers and giving it plenty. But once uh, my good friend Jeff Pope. Uh, quite a great win and the uh, great screenwriter himself uh, he had a fancy dress thing and uh, uh, the, the theme uh, the theme was I can't remember what it was but I didn't want to go 
and uh, uh, I think it was Bavarian, but I, I wasn't going to put any Lado, no, no chance of me putting Lado Hosen on. <laughs> and I went, uh, I don't know why I went as this. Once when I went to Jonathan's, I dressed up as a referee and uh, had Bonnie make my face up and I went as a zombie referee. Oh, Because in football kit, I, I, yeah, it's all right, but everyone kept saying, what are you coming as? What, what zombie referee? Uh, anyway, so, uh, but this time I put on, and, and you know, I'll, I'll admit to this, I put on an Arsenal uh, kit with because he supports Tottenham, Jeff. Very, very all his family yeah. do. I put on an Arsenal kit and put a fez on, and went as their uh, uh, Turkish star Mehmet Ozil, right? Uh, and then people said, "Who have you come as?" And I said, "Did it Turkish Arsenal?" And that was it. And <laughs> I know, I know, I know. This is why it's I don't. It's half hurt. It's half-hearted. Everyone there was, you know. Really made up, and I just had a football kit on with a fez, uh, which let's face it, I wear most of the time anyway. <laughs> uh, but this Arsenal kit I had on, and I thought I'd go to annoy Jeff with that on and put a fez on, and their famous player, Turkish player, yeah, German Turkish. Uh, so anyway, because it was a Bavarian thing, it's anyway, it's weak, it was weak. And the was, fact you've uh, had to really explain it, it just oh, says... I don't, I know, because I've gone cold about what is to come next, and I then uh, found myself with Jeff and his next door neighbour, who's Mark Noble, who plays for West Ham. And Mark Noble didn't recognise me. Uh, and he, he looked at us and he said, Will you come as? And I said, uh, You know, uh, and he just looked at me and said, Mate, you know, this don't make any sense. He's a professional footballer, right? And he's looking at me in this stupid, too small Arsenal gear with a fez on, making a joke probably about a close personal friend of his. <laughs> anyway, so that, that's the point. That, that's all I would say on the idea of, uh, uh, of, of fanciness. I don't, I don't like to do any of that. So, uh, I actually, I've got my sweaty palms. <laughs> I really have. What did I think? I had street shoes on as well. Oh, no. Uh, anyway. Anyway, uh, when Mark Noble found out, he said, you know, that's only funny. He came out, he was very nice after that. But for a while, he looked <laughs> to say, mate. Right, okay. Uh, this is from Simon. And this is, are you a tiny footnote in pop history? And Ooh. I think it's a huge footnote in pop history with this. He says, uh, many years ago, I got elected onto the local council as a 20-something Labour Party councillor. I soon ended up in Brighton at the party conference. I went out for a drink in a pub around the corner and I was in the company of Michael Evis of Glastonbury Festival fame. Mm. I asked him how plans were going and he shook his head in despair and said it was unlikely he would get a license this year due to concerns about security on the site. I had recently been to the Reading Festival and I mentioned how impressed I was with the security setup at Reading. He dismissed this as he said, well, Glastonbury is a very, very different kind of uh, festival. I pursued it. He said, no, no, it's a completely different thing, completely different thing. I argued my point, but we went separate ways. Months later, I was at work when the radio was on, tuned to Radio 1. The newsreader then announced Glastonbury Festival had signed an exclusive deal with the Reading Festival security company to provide security, and this year it would indeed be going ahead. I ran around screaming at my colleagues, that's my idea! <laughs> my idea! I told him to do that! What? I told that's I, I put Glastonbury on this year, I did! <laughs> they thought I'd lost the plot. I saved the Glastonbury Festival, but does history recall this? Nothing. That's from Simon, and I believe him. And that's a tremendous one. You got something quick to finish with, Pips? Yeah, this is just a quick one from Mick. Compliments taken the wrong way. <laughs> Many years ago, I was camping in Cornwall in my old Volkswagen camper van with my ex-girlfriend. And as the sun was going down at twilight, my favourite time of day, I was transfixed watching hypnotic wind farms twirling away and looked over to see my girlfriend in profile. She looked gorgeous. I thought, credit where credit's due, I'll pay her a well-deserved compliment. 
Darling, you do look lovely in the half light. It didn't go well. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed, my friend. Uh, I was still actually sweating on that last description of fancy dress. Anyone out there who's ever gone half-hearted with a fancy dress, we would love to hear from you. Well, as we are in the gloaming, play the theme tune. One, two, three, four. Tree Climb up, go in, let's cozy down. Wave goodbye to that silly frown as we chase our cares away. In the treehouse. The fire's on, it's warm inside. We guarantee you'll be satisfied as we laugh the day away. In the treehouse. Take it away, Daddy! Thank you so much to everybody who gets in touch with us. All the emails remain on file. Pep sits on a, a, a good inch and a half of unread emails. They will all turn up. Uh, uh, next week, we'll tell you how we uh, are going to expand this little treehouse, and hopefully you can come along with us for the ride. It's nothing half-hearted about it. I, I may have done too much to tell the truth. <laughs> you, to, you give and you give. Uh, well, if you ever want to see these record rooms or uh, read the next book or uh, the diary and all, all, all kinds of uh, stuff, you can even pick the uh, records that sit behind me during the good evening photographs uh, but that's uh, in, it's, it's about a fortnight away but we'll hit that harder next week in the meantime thanks to all of you and of course to Louise Napoleon Pepper on the other side of town the great granddaughter of Ho Chi Minh Phil Wilding who's been producing this but as always chiefly yourselves we'll see you at the weekend Hey it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to Quince I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com.